This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. another bitflix.com podcast and although this is an audio file if you could see me now like ben parker can director writer director of burial i look like the yellow man from sin city my settings are not telling me why this is happening but luckily it's it is an audio recording and you won't see that but anyway without further ado welcome ben parker hello hello Stuart. nick style from sin city <laughs> we have three weeks on from your uh, world premiere at Fright Fest, is that right? Of Burial. Yeah, yeah, three weeks, yeah. And uh, we're fast approaching the release date. So do you want to um, give people a brief synopsis to what Burial's all about before we do five films that inspired Burial? Sure. Uh, Burial is a thriller uh, set in the last days of the Second World War where a group of Soviet soldiers were given the task of um, covering up the death of Hitler and trafficking his remains out of Berlin to, uh, with the intention of taking it back to Russia and to Stalin. And they are set upon by all manner of um, nasty people trying to steal the body or defend the body or use the body for their own nefarious deeds. Uh, uh, yeah, and it's out on the, the 26th uh, with 101, yeah. And how can people see that when it's out? It's on demand and digital. So, you know, iTunes, Sky Store, uh, Amazon, uh, missing some Google, you know, all the places. All the main HD player platforms (laughs) where you can rent or buy it from. Is it going to be, can people buy it or will it just be to rent? Yeah, yeah, buy as well. I think you, I think, I think you can buy it now. Obviously, you might have to wait a week to watch it, Hmm. but you can, yeah, it's available to buy and to rent. Yeah. Cool. Um, now, your film stars Charlotte Vega, who people might recognise from the reboot of Wrong Turn. Yeah, fantastic, isn't it? Yeah. And as I learned at, uh, at Frightfest Media, uh, Frightfest TV Media Wall, the very recognisable Tom Felton from from the Harry Potter world. The whole, the whole of Cineworld seemed to stop as as a group of people from the age of twenty five to thirty were looking yeah. at an icon from their childhood. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're horror fans and and Harry Potter fans mix. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was great. Yeah, it was a it was a it was a buzz, and I and I stood at the media wall with uh, Charlotte and Tom and realised that how tall I am. <laughs> well, yeah. if you've not already seen it, I did tag you so you could get a look. The highlights reel of 2022 includes your mugging of my Tom Felton interview. 
Yeah, I felt it looked like I was on like sort of high platform shoes or, or Tom was in a ditch. Yeah, I, it's, I sometimes forget how tall I am. Yeah, but that was really fun. Yeah, it was a really good interview and uh, good fun answering questions. Yeah, Tom was on good form as well. He was, he was. It was really interesting. We're going to do five films that inspired Burial. It's the normal format that people might be familiar with of the five times five, except you giving me sort of prompts rather than titles you'll elute you'll give the title away in your description but i'll be giving the headings which are almost like in a way what you're giving me to say is like the ingredients of your film which is kind of a nice yes. way to unpack your movie um yes. so the usual rules apply will be each one gets five minutes there's five headings all together and i'm changing the alarm so anyone that's very familiar with this and is used to the dog barking they may have heard in a recent episode I'd moved to a different sound, so now we're going to get the alarm. Well, look, sir, without further ado, five films that inspired Burial. Let's start with war films. Yeah, a good place to start, war films. It, uh, from the out- outside, you sort of look at it and say it's a, it could be a war film, uh, but it's it's a bit more than a war film. It's it's a mix of things. But yeah, essentially, if you, you you're doing a film set at the end of Second World War, it is a, a war film. Mm. Uh, and so some of the inspirations that that fed into that, there was a lot of books that I did in research. Um, great great books by Anthony Beaver about the fall of Berlin. But in terms of film, the the types of war film that I really love are the are the mission films with. Uh, mostly like an ensemble cast there's a thing that you have to do and usually that a stellar ensemble cast usually gets picked off one by one rather unceremoniously mm. fall by the wayside so things like kelly's heroes uh guns of the navarone was a really uh favorite one of mine force 10 from navarone the sequel uh saving private ryan obviously was a you know massive massive influence as a war film Das Boot, but I can't talk about Das Boot because that pretty much influenced my first film, The Chamber. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and there's a there's a, a Polish film called Canal, which okay. is if anybody hasn't seen it, it's fantastic. You should check that out. But the the big daddy of those mission films with ensemble cast is is the Dirty Dozen. So my my first pick would be the Dirty Dozen. Well, and in a way, in a way, when you say mission, it's like in a, in, in traditional storytelling senses, it's it's the quest, isn't it? In a way, yeah. It's the yeah the, the you know the hero's journey the quest, uh, and in in this sort of scenario you go well when you get we're going to need a team of people. You could say Mission Impossible is the same, and and the TV series was like we need a, a a set of people with a certain set of skills to go do this thing, and then they usually get bumped off. <laughs> and and Charlotte Vega is she's leading this troop. She's the officer in charge, and it's yeah. kind of her story that we're looking yeah. back on, isn't it? From from yeah nineteen eighties. She'd be Lee Marvin. Or uh, <laughs> Ernest Pugnan. Not, not, yeah. not, a, not a thing that's ever been said about in reviews. I don't think. I'm sure. I'm sure it's not. No. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, yeah. The uh, what I was going to say about uh, the day dozen was my my grandfather was a technical advisor on it. So when I was exposed to the film at an early age, mm. it came it came with a sort of bonus feature of the fact that my grandfather was worked on that film, mm. and the way that he talked about the actors. And the way my gran, who visited the set, actually talked about the the different characters, she got to meet these actors. It was this sort of advert for this ensemble lineup of there was this guy, and then this guy was an American football player, and then this guy, and oh, I met him, and he's really nice. <laughs> <laughs> 
Did they talk about Robert Aldrich at all to you? My grandfather did, yeah, because obviously he was working directly with him. Yeah. Um, I mean, the biggest take home was that Aldrich liked the fact that they could blow stuff up in the UK, you know, and they filmed it over here. And so that, you know, you got the military expertise of all these um, ex-military guys. Yeah. And they were like, oh, can we blow up this tank or can we blow up this eight track? Yeah, just do that. You know, you do that. And uh, he'd, he'd get giddy about blowing stuff up and setting things on fire. Because, <laughs> yeah, because that would have been like the peak of him having been ostracized to Europe for America, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, some great films in that oeuvre of him over here in Europe. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Killing of Sister George. And what's and what for you is the quintessential? If, if Dirty Dozen is the sort of pinnacle of the of the kind of war film influence for obvious for yeah. obvious reasons, but in terms of the yeah. film itself, what's a what's a standout scene or sequence for you in di- in the Dirty Dozen? Yeah, in the Dirty Dozen. Yeah, I think it, I think. I mean, there's so many great things that that people have sort of nicked along the way. Like it's sort of in Glorious Bastards, you know. There's there's the training montage, and then uh, and then obviously Kubrick did after this did uh, his own training sequences in Full Metal Jacket. So those those are those are fun. They mm. sort of feel like um, the Great Escape stuff. But uh, but but really, you got to you got to go for the ending. It's all the whole film is leading up to this big ending and the suspense for this mission. So when you get to the end. And it gets it gets really dark. It's like what you know if you see it again, like it's it's quite dark at the end. You know, everybody's like unceremoniously killed off the the quote unquote good guys, and then you know they you know drop a load of grenades into a, into a shelter underneath this big mansion. I mean, that is that's going out with a big bang. You know, mm. that's the big huge finale. That's pretty cool. I mean, it is. I mean, it's a fantastic concept, isn't it? The idea of mm. uh, People who are locked up, who you, who, who, yeah. Oh, there we go. There we go. We'll never know what that was going to be about. Moving swiftly along, we have mixed genre. So, what are you talking about there? Mixed genre. I think you know. I it, with my first film as well. It was, it was sort of a mix of claustrophobic horror and and thriller, mm. uh, sort of wrapped up with the sort of premise of, of military. This is the same. You could say it was a war film, but it's not an out and out war film. It's not, um, it's not Ura sort of a war film. It has lots of horror elements. It has some really, um, some mysterious drama in it. Uh, you know, there's a mystery that the film sort of revolves around. And then there's some real like sort of, you know, gothic horror moments, not just in like the gore and the violence, but in the, you know, creepy guys coming out of the smoke and hallucinations in the forest you know, you touch on those things and then it becomes a little bit mixed genre and, and you, ha- you have a harder time sort of defining it as this or that way. Mm. So, one, you know, one of the influences would be mixed genre films. And I think you get a lot of um, mixed genre in like things like Westerns. So things like Bone Tomahawk would be a good comparison because it's essentially a Western, but with some really horror overtones. Mm. Um like yeah, Logan is a Western sort of superhero film. Uh, Pan's Labyrinth, which is a, I mean, Guillermo del Toro was an amazing director. Some of the, some of the sort of war scenes of Pan's Labyrinth should not be overlooked for the sort of fantasy film that it is. Because mm. there's some great war stuff in that in that film. Some great shootouts and 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 attacks in the forest. 
Uh, but even even things like Predator and Aliens, which are sort of action films, thriller films, but with real horror overtones. Mm. But my the, the top pick for for mixed genre is one of my favorite films, Ravenous by Antonia Bird. Mm. Uh, when I saw that film, I think I, th- I I'm not sure. I haven't done enough digging on it, but I I would imagine it might have been you know a, a black point against it because in the mixed genre. Hard to sell it in America as a Western, mm. which it looks from the outside, but it's really a horror about you know cannibals and and then it's this macho, very sort of uh, weird two hander with Guy Pearce and Robert Carlyle, and it becomes more than than all the sum of its parts. It's a it's a great film, and I think Antonia Bird is she she passed away unfortunately, but she's a fantastic British director. I really sort of admire. She did a film called Face, which is great, and uh, and Priest. Uh, yeah, she's fantastic. Yeah, and Ravenous uh, definitely want to check out if you haven't seen it. Yeah, no, it's... I think the people who've seen it are like like hold it in cult status. Well, I guess I'm just looking. I just check what year it came out. So it came out the same year as sort of Fight Club, and th- you know, so yeah. in terms of where people's heads were at, then maybe a period yeah. mixed genre film wasn't where wasn't going to get all the bums on seats, even yeah. though it's got a lot of star value in it. Um, yeah, and I think it, but 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 thankfully because it is such a good film, it's one of those ones that sort of stood the test of time, and regularly gets sort of lauded as a great as a great as a great sort of modern modern horror film. And it's got some great elements, like the soundtrack is amazing. It's sort of a mix up. Um, Damon Alburn working with um, Philip Glass, I think it was, and uh, I didn't such know a that. strange mix. Yeah, it's a, it a strange mix there. Piano with Damon Alburn sort of producing the soundtrack, and it's kind of quirky and weird. And I think that's another thing. You go, oh, it's a bit quirky. Do I like that? It's it forces you to sort of think. You know, are you are you into this? Are you are you engaged in this? And it's and it's above all engaging. You watch it and you listen to it, and it's and, it, and it's really engaging. I think that's the thing. One of the unique selling points of Burial is that it is, you know, an element of history that you might not have heard about, twisted with genre and with horror. Uh, and so hopefully it's it's at least engaging and something you haven't seen mm. uh, and keeps you interested. It zigs when it should zag. And I like those things. Uh, unfortunately, you know, you get the other side and you go, well, I wish it was this. I wish it was an out-and-out horror. Or I wish it was an out-and-out war film. Yeah. But, you know, as long as you're engaged, as long as you're uh, interested to the end. Well, it didn't, st- it didn't stop Overlord being a good film, did it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was um, that re- that was heavy horror and really violent, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm. I wish I had the budget of Overlord. <laughs> no, of course, of course. But still, that's, that still starts out very much like a, like yeah. a, a dirty dozen, yeah. doesn't it? You know, a group of people yeah. lost in the war. Trying to yeah. trying to get from A to B, so they can yeah, save this. It felt, save it felt like a real nice, nice pulpy comic book film. That, yeah. that did, yeah. So Some in, great actors. In. So with yours, I mean, the, the things that, uh, and this is something I learned from the, the one or two. Obviously, the the idea of taking Hitler's body back to Russia, the idea that that did or did not get attempted, yeah. is a lovely yeah. idea. As, a, yeah. as whether it, whether it's myth, I'm going to finish off yeah. what I'm saying there because I wanted to get to the point. <laughs> uh, I'm going to defy my own alarm. Um, it's um, it, it it it's a lovely idea, and then it gets you thinking about it. But then you also introduced us to this notion of the Nazi werewolves, which sounds yeah. like a supernatural element, but actually it was a bunch of crazy guerrilla Nazis who hid out yeah. and used to pick you off. Like the idea that on top of the Nazi Third Reich thing, there was yeah. guerrilla offshoots doing yeah. sort of 
missions. Yeah. I think, and, and, and that, and that, and, you know, as soon as you say werewolf, some, some of the audience think, oh, is it going to be werewolf? Mm. But that was, that was kind of the point as well, because some of the characters think the same thing. And it's playing with the idea of the, the sort of mythology that the Nazis wanted to use to make them seem scarier than, than yeah, what the they were. Yeah, the occult was very much at the fore, wasn't it? For them? Yeah. They, they wanted to yeah. seem more human than, they wanted yeah. to seem superhuman, didn't they? So they could frighten yeah. them. And, just... if the, and if the message is like, well, you know, be careful of the myth and be careful of the lies, it's not always, you know, true and and don't get caught, caught up in the story too much and it's, it's you know, dig, dig beneath it, uh, then that's great. But but on the surface, you, you hear werewolves and, and dead Hitler and you think, well, I'm definitely, I'm getting an overlord sort of comic book movie. <laughs> Well, thematically, yeah, no, those those two th- that that works thematically with yeah. the, the missions of the t- the Russians and the and the Nazis in this. Yeah, one's trying to humiliate one's trying to humiliate the 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 memory of Hitler, and one's trying to preserve the idea that he was the super. Yeah, Aryan, and the, and the and the Nazis are really like vampires in the film. They there's a couple of lines about dra- you know draining every drop of blood from 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 the country. They really didn't care about the glory of their country they wanted to like use every drop of blood in their you know horrible mm. idealistic goal and uh and the werewolves obviously they came out and at night uh and you know you could you could draw comparisons to all these these things and then Absolutely. like you know hitler's like frankenstein in this horrible box <laughs> indeed indeed right your third uh element you wanted you want to identify with your film is obsession do you want to talk us through how that relates to burial a lot of the characters are obsessed about different things. The the Nazi characters are obsessed with the with the idea of legacy of this horrible ideology that they believe in. Uh, Charlotte's character is obsessed with the mission until she meets a a wall that she can't break through. Um, but I mean, I'm going to go back to to my love of westerns, the things that influenced me, hmm. and I loved films where um, characters became obsessed over buried treasure and it's, it was usually gold and things like the treasure of the Sierra Madre mm. or the good, the bad and the ugly, you know, it's usually like this, this treasure that makes people go crazy and do crazy things. And that's when I started writing the script, that's, that's what I wanted to do, but with a really horrible treasure with like uh, evil gold. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. gold corrupts anyway. And I, I mean, I would listen to the, to the soundtrack for the good, good, the bad and the ugly with the, you know, the ecstasy of gold. But yeah, the, the fact that they're, they're, they're trucking this uh, coffin or crate. I mean, it's very much like, um, you know, the, the Ark of the Covenant, you know, thing that everybody's sort of looking over and revering. But, and thinking but it's also interesting, in it's interesting how, from from Charlotte's character's point of view, mm. it's it's it is the she is the one obsessed with what they've been set out to do. Whereas amongst her crew, it's yeah. different shades of how serious they're taking this mission because yeah. the war's over. So what the fuck do we give a shit? You know, kind of yeah, <laughs> it's, it's yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. and every well, other... yeah, there's definitely some character. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me what inspires your music. And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. 
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Characters are like, I, I feel like the war is over, so why am I risking my life? And you can see the see the characters that really have, have an ideology, good or bad. Mm. Uh, hers is that, you know, this is going to lead to something very important, very good. Uh, until she realizes maybe maybe if it falls into the wrong hands, it will be something very terrible. Mm. But yeah, the things that I was looking at were, uh, I mean, also we were shooting in Estonia uh, in Tallinn, which is where they shot Stalker, which is one of my favorite films. And and that journey into, you know, the wilderness with this sort of, you know, obsession with what's at the center of it, with the thing that they're trying to find mm. was sort of in, imbued into into the script but my top pick for that would be three burials of melchiadas estrada which is really an essentially a a revenge film Mm. tommy lee jones directed and starred in but it's about this dead body that he digs up of his friend who's been killed and they have to traffic the body back to this sort of spiritual site for the guy who died and he drags along the guy who shot him and it's this sort of obsession with teaching the the uh, the guy that shot him the lesson of what this man's life was worth, mm. and and it, and it's sublime. Like Tommy Lee Jones' directing is amazing; he's a fantastic director. But his his portrayal in the film, his his performance in the film, is sort of he never really like slides over to revenge. He never he never comes across as like I'm going to kill you. He's he just like dark and brooding doesn't talk most of the time and this obsession to keep moving on and keep dragging this this guy barry pepper along with it yeah i, I, mean, it's it, a I, mean, film I don't know really i'm glad, like, I'm glad uh, to be introduced to it it's not one i know this one. Oh, it's great yeah um you you could call burial the the three the three burials of adolf hitler really i mean <laughs> that's that's what was in my head Really, yeah, the burying and re, re, you know, burying of a body and then digging it back up as well is very visual on camera, and that that lends itself. It's a neo western, so it's a present day western. Yeah, yeah. Check it out if you yeah have it. No, yeah, absolutely. Really good. So, it, it, did you did you retrace any retrace any steps of Stalker from where you shot in Estonia? Did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you absolutely. do any kind of Stalker My, Stalker sightseeing for one of a better expression? Yeah, we had we had. And weekends when we did like stalker tours, you know, yeah, there's, you know, cause they shot it in a lot of it in the heart of, uh, of Tallinn and yeah. a lot of that stuff's not there anymore, but there's a street that they filmed on. There's a big cooling tower that they, they filmed at. Yeah, it was great. It was, it was actually surprising to me. I didn't know that it was shot in Tallinn. You know, I, I, I assume, I guess like lots of people that it was filmed in Russia, but obviously it was filmed in Estonia in the USSR. Yeah. And that's what, that was one of my, um, one of my, catch-ups with something I'm meant to have watched during lockdown yeah. films was Stalker. I must have had it for about seven years off a friend of mine and yeah. never got around to watching it. And then during There's lockdown... A, someone I, pulled a shot from it as a homage in something I saw recently that was amazing. And I thought, there is no other place that that's from other than Stalker. Like, And they uh, they stole it. I can't remember what it was. I can't remember if it was a TV show or something. It was amazing. Yeah, it's it sort of... It seeps into lots of things. 
yeah lots of inspiration there and the and the vibe of it as well the vibe is really like ominous yeah you you kind of the mission the the, the mission really isn't that clear but you know they're on one but it's about yeah. what are they going? What are they going to find? Yeah, and the and the music and the and the sort of eeriness of the landscape and everything's dangerous. And it's and I guess the irony as well, like the the, the production values of 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 what the location is just to do with yeah. the collapsing, the slow collapse of the of the USR model. Yeah, it's like it's exactly. just yeah, it's just yeah. legacy shit. <laughs> yeah, but it makes for a wonderful dystopia. You see that at Stalker, and it, you know, you, you, it's a long film, and you sort of, you know, just in it, and it's so hypnotic. But the, yeah, the, the, the landscapes and everything going on really gives you that ominous vibe. And then I read a book called Annihilation, which they turned into a film. Um, Alex Garland directed. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, I remember reading the book, thinking, well, this is just like Stalker, and this, this sort of phantom zone where where everything's like creepy and even the plants and the trees seem yeah, creepy, yeah, yeah. which you can't really get across on screen and, and done in a certain sort of stylistic way with Alex Garland. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, do you know, I'd, I'd, obviously I'd seen Annihilation before I saw Stalker, but now you say it, yeah. The, the yeah. similarities are too close, aren't they? Right then, moving swiftly ahead to your fourth element you want to discuss, which is your calling Last Stand. Last Stand films where, you know, there's a group of people who... It all boils down to that, to that last third act when there's a there's a there's usually a shootout or a last stand where you know you've got to protect something or you've got to you've got to survive the last thing, and I mean again, Saving Private Ryan does it really well, uh, which you know they they uh, hark back to my favourite pick, which I'll say in a minute. But then um, I was, I'll say it now, Rio Bravo is is my favourite last stand movie, and. and and that sort of goes into a lot of the uh, inspiration of different scripts for me. It's such a great, great way. I mean, that's the big influence works. on Assault and Precinct 13, isn't it? I was going to say, yeah, Precinct 13. So you can't talk about the other sort of last stand films without talking about Rio Bravo. So you have to yeah. do it that way around. Like, yeah, uh, Precinct 13, um, yeah, Copland, which isn't really a last stand film, but it's imbued with this sort of Western sensibilities. And there's a last stand at the end of the film. Of course. Yeah. And I remember him saying something about like Rio Bravo. Yeah. It's, it's got every, you know, it's some great characters, you know, you know, Dean Martin's this sort of drunken cowboy. And so you think, Oh God, he's not, he's not very good. And then, and then he sort of sobers up and he's an amazing gun hand. Yeah, that's 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 definitely one of my favourite films. That is, that the, is that the way you get the introduction to his character? Is basically him taking the money out of the spittoon bottle? Like, is that yeah, yeah, is that yeah. down on his look? That is that is one of the greatest character introductions yeah. up there with like um, Paul Newman in the Verdict, where you can you can see two minutes of his introduction. You go right, I know who this is down yeah. to the bug. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely amazing economical um, filmmaking. And, and, what's, and given, given how much you like it, then is, is there anything particular where you kind of you're paying full homage to it in in? Well, I'm pinching stuff. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but using it to your own, using it to make it your own. You know, obviously, you wherever, wherever, whenever you pinch, it always ends up becoming your own anyway. Yeah, I think I, I think it. Diff, I, I I don't know in script. In script is just the general uh, general last stand that, that where. Uh, the odds are stacked against you. This is bad. People want to sort of, you know, people on your own side want to uh, want to leave. You know, it's a sort of spoiler. But there's a couple of characters who are like, well, this is this is not going to go well. So I think I'm going to check out, uh, and and you can just do deal with it on your own. That was definitely sort of inspired from that. But most of it was 
you know, going on location scouts to, to Estonia and going around seeing some of the places that we wanted to shoot and thinking, mm. oh man, that would be, that's the prison house and that's the jailhouse in Brio Bravo to a T and that's great. Let's do it there. <laughs> you know, everything looks like a Western, you know, and I could, you know, people shooting out of windows and stuff like that. And, and the, just the, the musicality of the shootouts as well. There's a, there's a great sort of percussional musicality to, to the shootouts of, uh, of Rio Bravo, Howard Hawks, just sort of, I guess like, you know, sound in cinema was, was, was relatively new and, yeah. you know, they were using every single element to, to, to the uh, absolute sort of utmost, you know, getting the audience to sort of feel those gunshots. What did, what did you do then with your sound in ter- and music in terms of that? Just to make sure that we do, that with the, with our sound designer, Martin Pavey and our, our recordist, you know, making sure that we got real live, you know, gun sounds that echoed in the proper way that were like, you know, just blasting and echoing in the, in, in the right, uh, you know, audible way. So if you're in a small space, a gunshot's going to be even louder to yeah. make sure that it didn't, it never sounded stock and the musicality of smashing windows and then shooting and then footsteps and falling. And there's a sort of dance to it that you, mm. you have to sort of make sure that, you know, it's going to be there in the edit, but make sure that you get that on camera and lots of, um, how detached is that by the of, way? Cause like, obviously we're seeing it all edited together, but I'm presuming when you yeah. shoot it, you're shooting yeah. the bit where the guy smashes a gun through the window and starts shooting. You're shooting the bit where yeah. someone's behind yeah. a bit of a, a, yeah. a, a, a bit of bit of something to hide behind, and so you're yeah. getting those shots. But obviously, then you have to yeah. you're, you're imagining this as a yeah as a you big hold sequence. it all in your head, which is a which is just a sort of you know this thing that you have to do. You have to you know when you you see you know in in culture you know you've seen films where you know the, the director's standing behind the, the camera and going yeah i think we got it you know what does he how does he know that how does mm. he how does he think he's got it did you get the lines on the script did you get the the timing that you needed you know there should be a picture in your head or a, or you know a piece of music in your head that you hold on to and 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 when i say music i mean like the music of the the action and if you have it you know yeah. you you think oh i think those elements combined together in the edit will have that music you know so that that's that's sort of and also like to not forget the um, the sort of punctuation of 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 people as musical instruments you know when you're firing a gun it's not it's it's rarely you fire a gun and go oh that, that was me firing a gun it's usually like kick back you know oh geez you know i just shot a gun and someone's shooting back at me and oh god you know to to, to make sure that everybody remembers to to do voice sounds when they're doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of the time I would say, like, you know, imagine you're saying, you know, fuck you as you're shooting the gun, but not actually say it, you know. So you'd be like, ah, fuck you. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's what you're saying. Because, you know, in those situations, you've got to remember, like, you know, the, you know, when all the actors got the, you know, the uh, the old replica guns in their hands and that, you know, some of them are actually real sort of World War II guns and they're, they jam up and they they don't last very long with the ammo that they have. You suddenly realise, like Jesus, how did anybody survive? Yeah. You know, well, Charlotte, Charlotte you know, was saying just the sheer weight of them was yeah. uh, was, was yeah. something to, she had to get used to. And then, yeah, t- Tom was saying how he he was wanting to work on the fact that he's got to look like he's done this yeah. a thousand times before, as opposed yeah. to he's just been taught 
two hours ago yeah. by some and that, cock, that cocking of the rifle is like a fluid motion and, yeah. and that's that's musical too like <laughs> and if you if you miss you, you it takes that time to reload so if someone shoots at you 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 really shitting yourself if someone shoots at you you know so so that that sort of audible sound of like oh god <laughs> absolutely right then final choice of your five your calling is what's in the box so what are you what are you what are you saying about the film here well yeah there's a real there's a real uh, mystery box in the film and and the and the themes of the film speak to i mean the opening um bookends of the film is with harriet walter in 1991 and there's a sort of mystery box of does she know this secret is she the person that this 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 guy who's broken in thinks she is and and with the audience are thinking, oh, is this is this real? Is this the secret that's 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 real? Mm. You know, and and she says in dialogue, as we're thinking that, you know, be careful about wishing something's in the box. Be careful about this magical box that you're seeking that you think is gonna solve all your problems, because sometimes it's an empty box. And often people are pointing to an empty box and saying it's all it's Pandora's box, it's mm. everything that you've ever wanted. And then we get into 1945 and there is a box. There's an actual box with an actual dead body in it, you know? Mm. And and to have that dialogue set you up because there's some of the characters think that the thing in the box is going to set them free, that it's going to let them go home to their families or it's going to allow the legacy of their ideology to... Or it's important that the, the truth of this thing inside the box comes out because it shows someone to be dead and that ends a chapter a horrible chapter in history yeah yeah yeah. so everything's geared towards what's in the box and then there's a moment in the film where you get to see in the box uh and then there's another what's in the box moment at the end of the film when um you know harriet has another box with with a possible secret in which i leave slightly open-ended and and i like the fact that people have their own theories about what it is but mm. that that that's inspired by Films like, uh, you know, Seven, obviously, as a what's in the box. You never see what's in the box. Um, well, going back to our friend Robert Aldrich um, with uh, yeah. Kiss Me Deadly. Yes. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, and that's obviously, yeah, that's obviously deeply embedded in my brain, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, you know, the, there's, there's directors like J.J. Uh, Abrams who like MacGuffins, like a box, a mystery box, you mm. know, and it doesn't have to be as on the nose as that, but... But, you know, there is something amazing about like a, a mysterious thing. And, and you know, Seven does that really well. Uh, Pulp Fiction with the, you know, with whatever's in the briefcase. But my top pick is, is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Okay. Because, you know, the that was a film that I watched when I was young. And that, you know, so many things about that film inspired the way that I tried to make films down to the action and the grittiness and the stunts and, and everything. But at the heart of it, there was this, you know, Ark of the Covenant, this big thing that you, you know, if you're paying attention, you, you got the history lesson of it, but you didn't really know what was in it. Mm. And you had to wait till the end of the film and you go, oh my God, I, I bet it's something amazing. And it's something horrific. Yeah. It's something terrible. It's the, it's the most horrifying PG movie you'll ever see in your life. Yeah, exactly. And that, I, I, and I couldn't, you know, I can't help but draw comparisons to this to to you know everybody's like, like trying to 
chase this box, like trying to get hold of this crate. You know, oh, we need, to, and and I'm and and I'm talking about burial now mm. because you could be talking about the, the crate in in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Everybody's trying to fight over this crate, and then the thing inside of it is just pure evil. And and in the film, when you see what's inside of it, everybody's uh, you know shocked by what they see. Everybody mm. filming actually on set when we did those scenes because it was so sort of horrifically lifelike and realistic. It was it was something horrible and evil. It was like taking the lid off the Ark of the Covenant, you know, and your face melting. Yeah, because, yeah, you're right, because it's, it's you know, most people in the war are not going to come anywhere cl- anywhere near to Hitler, so it's just the idea of Hitler that was either exciting yeah. and made you want to kill people or frightened you and made you want to kill people. Um, yeah. And so to, to have it there, still life, and yeah. it's not threatening anymore, and yeah, and I think that's 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 what Charlotte's sort of goal becomes. That you think about these these sort of these figures, good or bad, that you hold up with such such, such reverence. You know, the the German people thinking, oh wow, he's 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 godlike. Mm. To see an image of him dead after killing himself by his own hand would have been tearing down that that you know demagogue sort of image you yeah. know and it would have been really powerful uh, it would have been disgusting it would have been, been something that's like filtering on, around on the on the internet but but it would have been it would have been a point where you said that something well, that's, filtering that's around that. on the internet ben <laughs> <laughs> yeah well you should see my search history doing this uh, doing the research for this film <laughs> i'm on so many blacklists well look, let's remind people then how can they get to see burial uh, you can see it, uh, rent it on digital, uh, on demand from iTunes, Sky Store, Amazon on uh, September 26th. Brilliant. Well, I'll put a link in the show notes so people can do that. And it just gives me to say thank you very much for joining us on the Breakfast Podcast. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.